Welcome to the CF Strong podcast. CF Strong covers the successes and challenges faced by those living with cystic fibrosis. You'll hear first-person stories, conversations with health professionals, friends, and partners. Just a heads up, guests may share their personal views about treatments and health management, but please remember this is not medical advice, and you should always follow the advice of your clinic team regarding your health. Hello and welcome to the CF Strong Podcast. Today we have Bryce Blackmore back again. Today we'll be talking about traveling with cystic fibrosis. So myself and Bryce are both uh, pretty avid travelers. Um, So yeah, we wanted to come together and discuss our experiences and maybe even share some tips and tricks with other people with cystic fibrosis who would like to travel. Um, We want you to know that's possible. And yeah, so Bryce, would you want to start by maybe just telling us a little bit why you believe travel is so important and how come you have done so much travel in your time and also where you've gone um yeah thank you um travel is really important well i mean it's for multiple reasons uh i probably didn't know exactly what i was going to get out of it when i first started traveling um it all began when i was a kid my parents are very avid travelers as well they've traveled all over the world um much before i was born and they continue to do so and so they had that passion already. So when I was born, they wanted to continue that. They took us to places like the usual kind of destinations, Bali, et cetera, um, Thailand. Uh, and then um, that extended to America when I had, I was lucky enough to have a Make-A-Wish um, to Disneyland when I was a kid, which was extremely lucky. Um, and then I just kind of ignited something inside of me, my family, my brother as well, to just continue traveling. And they were always big on going to weird and wacky places and not necessarily all the tourist stuff um, and getting us to kind of be a little bit independent when we were traveling um, as we as we kind of moved up uh, and through the ages and then um, just wanted to see the world it was just too too much to see and not enough time and realized that if I'm going to be here let's just get everything and gym pack it in there as much as I possibly can so um it just sounded like the best thing to do. And so any opportunity that I had, as soon as I finished school, I jumped straight into a degree in teaching and science degree and then immediately uh, just kept saving money to travel. And every holiday break at the end of the year from uni, um, I'd always just go somewhere different. Uh, third world countries were a great place to, to start and then um, extended out to Europe and then a lot of other travels. So I've kind of done a lot of Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, that area, uh, Bali, Americas, Canada, uh, and then a whole heap of countries through Europe, India, Nepal. Um, yeah, a lot of them. And I just absolutely love it. I mean, there's just so much to get out of traveling about learning about who you are and then just seeing different people, different traditions, customs, how the world works outside of our little bubble. Um, it's got everything to give and it, it takes very little away from you. I think it's just worth doing for everybody. It's interesting actually, because um, what you were saying before about your family being very avid travelers, it's very similar to me because uh, when I was uh, younger, my parents took a massive risk and relocated to America with like three younger kids. Yeah. Because uh, they've always been all about travel and adventure. So we lived there for like two and a half years pretty much. And that really kind of started our spark too. Do you think and then that from there, our parents. Sorry to cut yeah. in on you. Do you think that happened because right. of uh, having yourself with CF or were they travelers beforehand? Or is it more like this has happened 
and they just wanted to shake things up and try something different and new? Or do you think it was going to happen regardless? They were just always going to move somewhere or did their perspective change um, or anything regarding that? Yeah, it's actually a really good point to bring up because my parents are always massive travelers. They were, ever since uh, they got married, they were traveling the world and they've always loved doing that. So they've always been a big, uh, they're always put on the kids like to want to have a big adventure. Like life should be an adventure, should always go out and do these kind of things. And I think when I was actually born with cystic fibrosis, I, I think that spark in them kind of diminished a little bit because they were so, I guess, so concerned about my health primarily. Mm. And I just don't think they ever thought it'd be possible to be that kind of family, if that makes sense. But yeah, yeah. during, uh, as uh, I was about six, seven years old when we relocated. And I think at that point I had shown that I was actually doing quite well. I was uh, yeah. quite lucky to be as healthy as I was. And so it kind of like made my parents realize, oh, maybe we can do these things we love with our kids. So they took that risk to go overseas and it changed all our lives really because then after that we came back to Australia after a few years and then from there we always look for the next big thing as a family we did um went to Dubai we went to we did like an eight-week trip in Europe where we just backpacked as a family and then since then that instilled in us kids that we wanted to go do that rest of our lives and in my gap year I went traveling for two two to three months I think it was around about that much maybe a bit less um but yeah it just yeah, as you said, it really came from the family and it really pushed us. And the, the whole cystic fibrosis part of it, I think it's just uh, understanding that, yeah, it could be a risk, but you really got to outweigh the benefits compared to the risk. Because as you said, there's so much you can gain from traveling. So what about, you what about yourself? That... Did you... Yeah. Sorry, I keep cutting in on you. Uh, no, no, do you fine, think that the... Yeah the locations that your parents chose early on, uh, including going to America and then places that you maybe picked to go first were um, changed as a result of you having CF, maybe going mm. somewhere that you know that you might've had healthcare or um, easy access to drugs or anything like that, or just easy way to get out of there. I know we kind of went to Bali and Thailand that are reasonably easy to get home from if we needed yeah. it. Um, do you think that changed or do you, and, and do you think that, the choices and where you've traveled since has changed as a result of you knowing your body better or um, you just got a bit more advantageous with it and adventurous, sorry. Um, or how did that kind of change? Well, I think the, the choice of America was very much, um, so it was for my dad's works. So obviously there's a limited amount of choices, but uh, one of the other choices was China, which was a, he, he definitely considered, yeah, but I think right. the America was definitely a safer place in regards to healthcare, even though the American healthcare system isn't amazing, but yes, sure. that was definitely a major one. And then, uh, expanding on that, when we went to Europe, I think, uh, we definitely stuck to, um, West Europe a lot more. So like England, France, uh, Belgium, uh, those kind of countries where again, it's quite, it is definitely a, a safer aspect. But I, I, I definitely, as I got to know myself and my body, I was definitely going to be taking more, more risk as I travel because I, I did know myself a lot better and I did know how to look after myself. So when I did my own solo travels, it was uh, Nepal, uh, Thailand, Vietnam, and like it was kind of like off the beaten track a little bit as well. So I was taking like a long, long, long times away from like civilization and say Nepal because I was working in Nepal and I was working up in the mountains and these remote communities and things like that 
because I, I trusted myself and I backed myself and I knew I was in a good position to be able to do that kind of stuff. So I, I think it definitely, it, I say for, for other people who wanted to travel, I would say definitely start by look by, I guess, knowing your exit route. So that makes sense. So you can go into travel, get the best yeah, experience, but also know that there's a safety, yeah, a safety net. And cause it is so important to have that safety net because you could be stuck in a country where you're just having a huge health crisis and you just have no way to get out or no way to get what you need. So yeah, I and mean, what about yourself? Did you ever, is, is CF always a big thing on your mind when you start planning your travels or do you, does it come, I guess, in the background? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it, it really kind of uh, depended on where my journey was with CF at the time. I think early on, we definitely went with safer, mostly because maybe I wasn't as mature or I wasn't as confident in my traveling abilities. And so places like B&M and Thailand are fairly tourist happy or friendly, um, makes for an easier tra traveling experience, um, but also allowed for things like you said, just having a better exit route in case something were to go wrong. It's It's places that I know I could get out of or get help or attention when I needed it. Um, so not taking as many risks there. Uh, but as time goes on and I've kind of learned my body and know when it's going to crash, um, which just takes time, you know, there's no kind of rule book to that. It's going to be different for everybody uh, that I've just learned how to read the warning signs and then also how to maintain my health with you know, bouts of, of time where I don't have access to certain facilities, um, what I can, what can I do to kind of get myself through it? Um, because I'm not always going to be able to go for a, a 5k run in the morning because I might have to be catching a train that's going to go here and there and there. I'm going to be on a, on a bus for hours. Um, is that going to be okay? Will I be okay with that if I miss a, a training day um, or I won't be able to do a pet mask or nebulizer or something like that? Um, can I get away with it, you know? And yeah. is it going to have a negative impact for the long term? Because uh, I traveled for six months in one of my stints. Um, and when I was traveling there, I, I pretty much very, very rarely had any physio, um, mm. which, you know, sometimes was good, sometimes was bad. I just didn't have access to, to people to be able to come and go to a hostel and kind of bash on my back, you know, it makes yeah. it awkward. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a hard conversation to have with other tourists. Yeah, totally. And so um, I had to resort to obviously like pet masks and things like that, but also um, just keeping up on my training regime and making sure to take days if, if, things were starting to crash and things weren't going so well to stop um, and not keep moving, not always be on the move and kind of schedule in some rest days when I'd look after myself and my mm -hmm. well-being, mental health as well, and make sure I stayed on top of, of all those kinds of things. So I, I'd, I'd be making sure that I was out running a lot um, and just doing ex implementing an exercise regime that I knew that I could that I could use because I'd been doing it at home to practice it at first to make sure that I kind of uh, practiced the things I was going to to do out out on the road before we left so that if things went wrong here, I'd be able to sort it out pretty quickly. Um, but I could kind of use it as like a test track to just know how my body's going to react and, and does it need certain things. And that's going to be different for everybody, uh, of course, but my body at the time didn't need um, that particular like daily physio, et cetera. So I could, I could get away with that. Um, and it was fine and there was no problem. So I could manage to, to spend that six months overseas. Um, so yeah, it, things have changed over time and now I'm pretty much loosey goosey with it because I know exactly what I do and don't 
don't need to do. Um, and so I can pretty much go anywhere and I know I'll be able to make it work uh, as long as I've, I've kind of prepared myself and my body for it, um, depending on the scenario where I'm mm. going, if I'm climbing mountains or whatever. Um, and, and it's all good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's trying to, that's one of the hard things I've always found is trying to find the, the, the best balance, I guess. So when you're trying to be out in the world experiencing everything you want to experience, but also knowing that you still need to put time aside for your own health, such as exercise in the morning or your certain nebulizers, and even like trying to, trying to fit your nebulizers and all your medications to your backpacks, say if you're doing a more of a, uh, a solo backpacking mm-hmm. trip, there's all these extra things you're really going to try and balance out. Did you have any tips or any uh, tricks you've done over your time to make sure that you've been able to not only carry all the medications you may need, but also trying to find, I guess, the 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 right times and places where you can do, say, nebulizers, or if it needs to be plugged into somewhere, or like pet mask, or just certain yeah, physios. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a tough one um, for medication. I so I had six months of Creon. Um, I couldn't take all of it at once, so I think I did it in two or three loads. Mm-hmm. I got someone to send um, some medication through the mail so that I could pick it up partway through, or also some family met me and they brought some with them, um, which made it a bit easier. Uh, but for my like one month stints when I take students over to third world countries, um, it's a bit harder over there. So I'll, I'll take a month's worth of Creon, which just means I've got to take a, a whole ton of the stuff, but that's just a, what, what you got to do, you know? It's not that bad. It's just a few extra yeah. um, grams, really. Um, as far as other kind of techniques and things i have a very small kind of portable nebulizer which makes life really easy um and now with vaping being a big thing it doesn't even look that much different than a vape so it's kind of like as long as i don't mind looking like someone that's vaping which i kind of do but as long as i don't mind that too much i can kind of get away with it anywhere um just a uh, fancy new vape yeah yeah totally it's way too big for a normal vape but you know uh you just gotta you just I mean, ultimately, I'm here. I'm never going to see these people again. Yeah. It doesn't affect them at all. Um, and me being here is more important than what they think this guy's doing, doing a vape of some nebulizer stuff. Um, so I don't really care about that kind of stuff. I just kind of do it and move on as long as it's not impacting other people. Uh, so usually when I was in hostels, uh, I'd just make, make sure that nobody was around when I was doing those. Um, or I'd talk to them beforehand and say, hey, this is the deal. I've just got to do these things. Um I hope you're okay with it. If not, I'll do it later. Uh, people are generally pretty cool. Or sometimes we might have even just waited until there were times when we just decided to get hostel rooms that were just for us. We had a small group of people at times. And so um, when it was just us in the room, it didn't matter what we were kind of doing. So we could, I could do all my kind of medications and things in those times. Um, and like I said, I kind of had practiced and knew exactly how much I needed to do or didn't need to do. So I could could get away with a few days here and there where it was busy or uncomfortable with 10 or 15 people in a room. Um, it's just not going to happen, you know. I'd say uh, I think that's a the, one of the main things that I definitely realize, and as you've been saying a lot as well, it's just really um, pra- practice makes perfect, and you can practice these things at home, like practice, uh, I guess, what you can do in certain situations, or practice carrying your meds and backpacks, and practice just all those kind of things, and working out the best way to do it. So when you're on the ground in a different country, it's not all a new surprise for you, and not all like a scary thing as well. Yeah, uh, but. but Going on to, um, as we're talking about meds, did you ever 
run into an issue on, say, a border where you were carrying meds in a backpack and it caused maybe some suspicion from, uh, guard, you know, border patrol yeah, or, <laughs> yeah, anyone, customs and stuff like that. I feel like this is a loaded question. I feel like you've had some problems. <laughs> well, I, I've, had, I've only had one. I've only had one major one. It was also, it was when I was went to America, actually, yeah. and I was only a six, I was six years old and I was carrying my Creon in my pocket. And this is back in 2000, I want to say 2004 or five. And back in those days, I mean, security is still really tight now, yeah. but especially in America, airport security was something else. It was, I remember being very anxious in an airport. It just seemed very tense, but obviously the whole, makes sense why it was so tense. But I was a six, seven year old kid going through a scanner and I got pulled aside and taken up to this little, like taken aside by these uh, two big security guards who were questioning me about my Creon in my pocket. And I was very uh, unsure how to handle that situation <laughs> as a young kid. Yeah, that's pretty fair. That was, that, that was yeah, that was just... That's a bit of a mistake. <laughs> yeah, that was that was just one. Incident. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, so I was like, oh man, they're going to yeah, arrest me or something. It was, it was intense. Yeah, I think the States is a bit of a, a unique scenario. I've never really had too many. Um, whenever I've gone overseas, I keep all of the, the majority of the medication in my big bag. Um, I try not to carry like large amounts in a small carry-on. I know that's uh, some people might see that mm. as a bit risky, but I, I just don't want to have to have that conversation <laughs> as I'm walking around an airport. Um, and it's never really been a problem as long as I've got enough that's on in my carry-on to get me through, you know, seven days or a few days worth. Um, that's enough to get me by. I'll, I'll make do. I'll make it work. Um, and I've usually, for longer stints or places where I know there might be some issues, I'll usually get a, a certificate written by the doctor to say, what is this medication? What is it used for? Um, and these are the um, this is the amount that was initially kind of dispensed uh, so that they're aware because, you know, when you're looking at Creon, you're talking, you know, several hundred pills um, and that's only getting you through a few days depending on how much you're using. Uh, it's very easy for, for just the common populace to think, wow, that's, that's a, enough to be a supplier, but you know, a few, a few hundred isn't going to get you very far. So it's kind of um, getting them to understand that that's, we use a lot more than they probably think, not just like Panadol or something. Mm, um, so it's a, it's a hard one. Yeah, absolutely. So just having, having some sort of um, written, written letter that goes with it has, has gotten me out of, I think one time where we've had to have the conversation, but it was so minor. I don't even remember where it was because I had a letter and they didn't seem to have a problem with it. Yeah, that's a good point too. The um, the doctor's letter is a really important thing to have. Uh, I'm sure, but it's also one of those things I'm sure every doctor will tell their patient before they go overseas. It's a really good to have a plan with your doctor, like your uh, your specialist. To they know you're traveling. Uh, they have given you a letter of uh, to explain your medication, and they also have an idea of your itinerary. And you make up, you have like a little plan with them. If something does go wrong, you can email email them straight away and. Get, uh, get something sorted. So definitely work with your doctors. If anyone who wants to go traveling is listening, definitely work with your doctors because they want you to also survive when you're traveling. So yeah, they will help you out the best way they can. And with that, there's countries that are reciprocating Medicare stuff as well. So that there, there are safer countries if you're someone that's susceptible to some sort of um, exacerbation or hospital um, admission there are there are places you you can go that are not going to just to totally destroy you like um you might have in america say if you didn't have insurance or something mm. um there, of course there's insurance that you can get but not everyone's going to be able to get insurance i've been able to get insurance most of the time i've traveled which is really really nice um and feels good 
knowing that I've got that insurance. So trying various places and there's some that will and some that won't, but you just got to keep trying. And um, I don't really have the answer for what is the perfect insurer for that kind of thing, but trying multiples um, and then understanding that some places will have that kind of emergency um, Medicare reciprocation, I believe that helps out as well in case you do get in those big, big trouble scenarios. Having a plan for those big scenarios is just always so important. And as you were saying, it's just really good to know what countries uh, do what in regards to Medicare, because it is just nice having that little bit of a safety net. Yeah. Have you had any exacerbations or hospital emissions overseas? Uh, did anything, has anything drastically gone wrong that you've had to like kind of really worry about? Uh, no, actually, I've been quite lucky with my travels. Um, uh, one thing, one small thing in America, but I don't even know if it was CF related or what it was, uh, we were doing a bit of a road trip down the coast in the caravan and somewhere down in Florida, I had this horrendous asthma attack. I could, I'm not sure if it was anything to do with CF or I had some, it just had a really interesting asthma episode, but, uh, yeah, it was quite intense and I remember not being able to breathe and it was terrifying and. And obviously our RV was hooked up to the uh, campsite, so we couldn't race out of the hospital. So we would try to, I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but we tried to call the um, hospital to see what was happening. And one thing led to another and they sent an ambulance to the um, campsite. And I remember they, it was so intense. The ambulance was, it came in and they got people to get out and like uh, control the traffic in the campsite. And like they sectioned off the entire camp so no one could come in and out. They wheeled me out of the um, the RV, and I, I didn't need to be wheeled out. I could have walked. It was just very over the top. So, and then I had a ride in the ambulance, and then I can't remember how much that cost my parents at the time, but obviously they're probably well insured. So, but I just remember that as being a really interesting scenario because that wouldn't have happened in say Australia. It was just a very over the top response to a asthma attack. Yeah, right. So that was the only, only, only real thing I um, have experienced. I. When I was in Asia backpacking, I got a chest infection at yeah, one point. That's a pretty common one, isn't it? Yes, definitely. Um, but I just um, I had uh, antibiotics on me because I brought some emergency antibiotics yep. in case I needed them, and just did a, a case of those for two weeks, and that cleared it up pretty well. That's my my next kind of like part of the medication thing is having an understanding of you know how your body's working and the, the telltale signs for. Um, mm some sort of infection because that's the the most likely thing that's going to happen with me now is uh, some sort of chest infection so knowing what those signs look like um and then having a backup set of antibiotics to go on if you really need it um has been Definitely. part of my medication that i that i travel around with as well as the creon um any sort of nebulizing and stuff like that but um yeah having that antibiotics ready to go is is 100 one of those things that i'd encourage and i'm sure the doctors would um they have recommended for me to definitely yeah it was a, it was a conversation with my doctors about which antibiotics served me the best in my with all my most common chest infections so knowing that having the backups in my travel bag as well and one thing going on with that as well medications is not storing all your medication in one bag that's one big one i've run into as well so uh, obviously, in your big backpack when you're traveling, you keep everything. Your uh, majority of your, say, your Creon will be in that one backpack. But always make, I always try to make sure I have at least one close to full container on my, like my small backpack I take on my day trips or 
Yeah. That's just, that's just in case you lose everything all at once, it's just an absolute nightmare. Yeah. And that goes, I'm sure that's just a part of all travel tips as well. Always, don't always keep all your, uh, your eggs in one basket, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I ran out of Creon. I ran out of Creon, I think, in India um, in one of my travels. But the best part about India is that if yeah. you could, if you got a bit of money, you can get anything done. <laughs> I just walked yeah. down to a random road right. and there was a pharmacy there and was like, have you got some Creon? And he's like, yep. And I was like, sweet, let's go. Um, whereas other places, you know, you have to go see a doctor. I was stoked that it was India that was the problem, was the place that I had that happen because trying to um, budget out a, a month's worth of um, Creon is Creon can be hard, especially when you go yes. to places like India with really fatty meals. <laughs> and um, you never know how much you're going to eat. And I loved Indian food, so I, I just went over the top and ran out. So that was... Um, <laughs> time when I got out of trouble, but yeah, having that back up and making sure you've got extras is really handy. Yeah, 100%. So we've got to finish up the uh, talk soon. So before we do that, I just wanted to ask you uh, if you had any advice, any any last advice for any aspiring travelers of cystic fibrosis or any words of encouragement for them yeah. before they do, before they set off? Yeah, I mean, you're crazy not to, right? It's it's just, unless you're in one of those circumstances where it's just too dangerous for you, um, and that's going to be a conversation you have with your family and your doctors, um, sticking around, sitting in your house is just not an option, right? It's just not an option. We That should not be an option for you. You need to get out of here. You need to get out of your little bubble and start seeing the world. And so if that's going to take taking your whole family with you or taking a million friends with you, you got to make it happen. Um, it's just, it's too important and too, it's just things, we're just going to go see the world. Um, the world's much bigger than our backyard and there's just so much to see and the most interesting and amazing things I've ever done in my life, a lot of them have been overseas, um, running with the bulls, jumping off the Mostar Bridge, seeing the Northern Lights. It's just a million things that I've done overseas that I just can't get here and it just teaches you so much about yourself. Um, and that's that's important too, getting through CF and understanding who you are and what your purpose is, and uh, you know the things you like, the things you don't like. Um, that's all part of the part of the plan. And so, getting out there and seeing the world is just the first step of it. And so, I, I kind of see it as, as something that we should all be doing. And you're missing out if you're not going out there planning something. And it doesn't mean you have to be going to the middle of a jungle in Cambodia somewhere. It, it could be as, as simple as going to just literally the closest nation of New Zealand and going to see some of the most beautiful, spectacular scenery that, that is there. Nothing's wrong with that. That place is awesome, right? And it's safe and it's easy and it's not that far away and everybody can do it and it's not particularly expensive. So there's no real reason not to be traveling and there's lots of reasons to be traveling. So get out there. And really having CF just meant that I got up five or six in the morning almost every day traveling and going and seeing how the the locals worked and that's one of the best parts of that i find in traveling is seeing seeing people in the in their place of residence or working um out early in the morning and how how the world works is amazing so um it also kind of gives you those added bonuses that maybe everybody else that's just sit, sleeping in bed they miss out on that stuff um and that's forced me to see the world in a different in a different way as well so you know, there's, there's bonuses that come with having CF as well that you may not get if you were considered, you know, um, normal uh, or without CF, right? So there's there's bonuses in all ways, shape and form, and I would encourage everyone to do so and not to be scared by the medication or anything like that and just to, to jump in, have those conversations and get the ball rolling because you you won't look back.
Yeah, it's exactly right. I feel the exact same way. It's uh, it could be, it's a, it's a, it's a scary leap, I guess, especially coming from a uh, growing up with cystic fibrosis. It, it could be scary to get in the world, but you need to do it. It, it. It's something, if you get the opportunity to do it, it will, it just shows you how much more is out there and you need to prove to yourself that just because you have CF, you're not held back. You can still do everything you could ever want. So get out in the world and enjoy it. And then some, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. 100%. Like, <laughs> like we talked about last time, it's all about just understanding that, you know, like we've all got so much time on here, so let's take advantage of it and get as much done as possible and squeeze as much out of this life as what we can. And as we talked about before, that we have a bit of a different perspective than a lot of other people do. And so let's, let's take advantage of that and do some pretty cool and crazy things while we can. Um, and that's afforded me experiences that, arguably a lot of people will never have because they were never willing to take that leap but having cf has pushed me to do things that i maybe would not have done if i didn't um and that's pretty cool and i and i rate that so yeah exactly well thank you so much for coming back on the podcast no worries great to talk to you again and hopefully we can talk again soon thanks very much thank you guys thanks for listening everybody see you Thanks for listening to this episode of the CF Strong Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast listening platform so you don't miss the next episode. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd really appreciate if you could leave us a review. It helps other people find CF Strong. Or share us with your friends. Also, a quick reminder that the views expressed in the CF Strong Podcast may not be reflective of cystic fibrosis community care's viewpoints. The podcasts are designed to share information and provide insight into the lives of those living with cystic fibrosis around Australia. This podcast was made possible thanks to support provided by the Australian Government and was produced by CF Community Care and CF Western Australia. Our theme music is Spark of Inspiration by Shane Ivers from Silverman Sound. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time.